Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome new listeners to I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. I have been doing this podcast since April of 2013, and I have always been a podcast fanatic. I love listening to podcasts. I love hearing people talk about their lives. And the reason I started this podcast was at the time I was on a TV show called Chelsea Lately, where I was appearing nightly, making jokes about celebrities. And then people could also see me on Drunk History, where I was getting wasted talking about history. And nobody really seemed to know who I was. Did they think people thought I was drunk like that all the time? Or they thought, oh, Jen only cares about Lindsay Lohan. And I felt like, you know what? I really want people to know who I am. And unfortunately, when I was on the road a lot, people would be at my shows screaming out, let's get drunk or whatever. And I thought, oh, they don't really know me. I'm not that fun. And so as a joke, I said, I'm going to do a podcast called I Seem Fun, meaning, but I'm not. And then I called it the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast because it was supposed to be a once a week and it still is solo podcast where I talk about what went on with me during the week, whether it's serious or silly you know, kind of curmudgeoning, complaining, whether it's something going on in the world, something political. I've cried on this podcast. I've taken you guys deep into my life, breakups and get back togethers and family stuff. It's just like your friend talking to you who's rude and doesn't let you get a word in edgewise. And it's off the top of my head every week. I prepare briefly the topics I want to talk about, but that's it. It's just a fun free for all where you can just see the real me. And, uh, I hope you enjoy it. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can listen on Google Play. You can listen on Stitcher. You can listen on SoundCloud. And uh, I'll give you a review from the Onion AV Club. What makes I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen 
Cockman. See, I can't even advertise my own fucking show. What makes I Seem Fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast funny, is Kirkman's inherent knack for cultivating conflict, even talking into a microphone in a room by herself. Whether she's dissecting a negative iTunes review from an angry Christian or seriously considering a class action lawsuit against Robin Thicke for being gross, Kirkman is eternally embattled, but she tempers her cynicism with sweetness, and more often than not, she's right. That is from the Onion AV Club. So if you're curious, well, I guess you can start with this episode and go through the backlog. If you want to stay, here comes the podcast. You're about to get on the ride. I see seem fun the diary of jen kirkman podcast episode 235 how you doing today's episode is sponsored by our dear friends at squarespace and uh, not squarespace they're not an advertiser god i've lost my mind talk space online therapy for how we live today we will hear more about them later oh my god everybody hello thanks for listening um you know, we'll do some business up front. Uh, I wanted to read a listener email right off the bat. Oh, yeah. Getting right into it. Uh, this is from a gentleman in London named Jake. He said, you, you, uh, uh, he was unable to make my shows when I was at the Soho Theater in January of this year. But I've become a massive fan of the podcast and insisted that my boyfriend buys I Know What I'm Doing for my birthday. Oh, that's my book, I Know What I'm Doing and Other Lies I Tell Myself. Available everywhere books are sold, people. You can get it on Amazon or you can get it on uh, IndieBound.org if you want to support your local bookstore. And it's available in audio, Kindle, hardcover, and paperback. Anyway, looking forward to your return to London. Hopefully you won't mind a group of, well, he said the F word. And if he's gay and wants to say it, he can, but I'm not going to say it out loud. Snickering. We're also in your prime ranting demo, 25 to 30, and raised by those slackers, younger than baby boomers, but older than you. Gosh, life has been a breeze. Cheers, Jake. Um, so I am coming to London, not at the Soho Theater this time, because I couldn't do, they usually prefer you to do a full run. Um, I'm just doing one night at the Leicester Square Theater, very close to the Soho Theater, 10-minute walk. You can get your little buns over there. Friday night, June 22nd at 9.30. Now, because I've come to London so much this year, this is going to be it for a while. Uh, you probably won't see me again until 2020. I'm going to London, I'll tell you, on some business. I've got a show to pitch to them. Oh, ooh. It's a long shot, but I'm doing it because um, I have a good relationship with the networks there. So, uh, and a bunch of... Uh, Execs are going to be coming to the show Friday night. So if you've seen me before and you want to be a friend, you should come see me and laugh real loud. This is like I'm asking everyone in London to support me and uh, maybe tell a friend. Maybe this is the time you come and tell, take a friend who's never seen me and um, we make it a big deal because I got to get support on this show. And I kept the ticket price down, 15 pounds for you. So it's on sale right now on my website, jenkirkman.com slash tour dates, or just go to jenkirkman.com and click on the tour dates button. It'll be right there. Come see me. And uh, yeah, it's some of the material you saw in January. It's also like one quick new thing, maybe some classics. It's a little bit of everything. 
but you'll love it. Just come on down to that. I almost just shut off the podcast. I don't know why I did that. All right. So, oh my God, there's so much going on. I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin. Hang on. Oh, this microphone is, this microphone is making me crazy today. Why are you doing this? Why is it doing this to me? Why is it being such a bad microphone today? Oh, God. All right, there we go. Oh, my God. No! Oh, I got to get back in the studio. I prefer to do home recordings, but I've got to get a new microphone um, thing because this one is making me nuts. Hang on one second. To people new to the podcast, you can sort of expect stuff like that sometimes. And the, the regular listeners are going to tell you that's the charm of it, dude. All right, so what did I want to talk about this week? Um, Let's get some business out of the way. This podcast you're listening to, subscribe on iTunes, give it five stars, write a good review. They actually really help. I've been reading the more sincere reviews, and I'm trying to put together a little document that has, like, nice things the listeners say. So I don't know. Go be sincere once in your life and go on there and write something. Um, all the back episodes exist on SoundCloud. We're also on Google Play and Spotify. Watch my second special on Netflix. Just keep living. Give it a thumbs up. If you want any advice, I'm doing a couple advice episodes with my good friend Allison. Uh, you seem to like the last one a lot. Send an email. Put in the subject heading, I need advice, to iseemfun at gmail.com. Please do send it before June 10th. We are gathering things. I mean, not June 10th. Sorry, June 1st. We are gathering things now. If you enjoy my podcast, then you want to support the network that it's on, All Things Comedy, allthingscomedy.com. You can check out other podcasts by other comedians. But don't you dare fall in love with them more than you do me. Tweet me at I Seem Fun Podcast on Twitter. Follow us, facebook.com slash I Seem Fun Podcast. And uh, so I don't know, follow me on Instagram. I'm always doing live videos and stories, and I'm just so fun on there. Jen Kirkman is my name on Instagram. All right, people. Well, I went to Indiana. Um, well, not last weekend. Uh, over Mother's Day weekend. Let's see. I was there May 10th through 12th. I did five shows at the Comedy Attic in Bloomington. I want to thank you guys for coming out. We had one sellout show out of the five shows. And then the other four, um, there was, Thursday night was probably the least people there because it's um, it's a Thursday night. But for a Thursday night, there was a ton of people there, if that makes sense. There's over 100 people there. It's a small room, only seats 160. So to get over 100 on Thursday night is crazy. Um, and every night we were almost sold out, like maybe 20 seats away from being sold out. So thank you so much for coming. And uh, I am. It, it really did restore my faith in like, okay. So there's some cities where my tour took a little bit of a nosedive last year. And, you know, you just never know. Did you pick the wrong night? You know, was was everyone busy? Did you really lose fans? Do people know you're there, but they don't, they didn't get the memo that you're doing new material and they've never seen it? I, there's so many factors in figuring out why people don't go to things. And you could say money, but I put my tickets on sale eight months in advance and I kept all tickets under $25. So I don't mean to live in my coastal elite bubble, but I think even the brokest person 
could take eight months to come up with $25. And the theaters I perform in don't have a drink minimum and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, but I think a lot of times people don't know they're on sale eight months in advance and that's where it's complicated. It's like, but it's on my website and my email blast and oh my God. Oh, you just got to be so famous to make an impact. Like being a touring comic is a joy, but it is so much work to get the word out. I mean, I used to be self-conscious about promoting stuff on Twitter. Twitter used to be such a different place. It was almost like for every promotional tweet you send out, like send out a joke, so, you know, to keep it even. And now it's just like, no one even notices how much you promote because it's going by so fast. And anyone who does, like, it just means they're really into you and they're always looking at your feed. But but it was great. And uh, I hate when I talk to people and they go, oh my God, you went to Indiana? How does your act go over there? It's like, okay. I'm a businesswoman. I'm a busy businesswoman. Oh my God, I have a story about someone emailed me that's working on a Hallmark movie. You're going to die when I tell you this story. But it's like, well, listen, you dumb fuck. I wouldn't go somewhere where my act doesn't go over. Not because I'm a pussy and I'm scared and I can't take it. But what would be the joy in performing for people who don't want to hear what I'm saying and don't like it? I mean, why would I do that? And it, and it sort of implies like, Ooh, how does your act go over there? Like, well, I have a fan base, so it goes over well, even if I go to the reddest red state, because the people who live there that want to hear what I have to say, come out. And also I have people in my audience who disagree with me. So it's not a cult that I have. It's a fan base of people who like my comedy. And I don't really talk about politics a lot on stage. And I think you know, my fans who voted for Trump or Republican or whatever, I think they can handle the fact that I didn't vote for him and that I don't want him to be president. And I think they can handle the fact that I didn't want George W. Bush to be president. You know, I mean, it's like I don't insult the audience. I just, you know, I I try to make my thoughts known about my experience with something, which is, I think, where the humor comes in. It's like it's not, you know... It's just, don't ask people that. It's such an insulting question. It really does imply, like for comics, like, look, when you do a comedy club, but this, see, that's why I love the Comedy Attic in Indiana. It's not your average comedy club in that comedy clubs give out free tickets. So you never know who's going to show up. And people just show up that go, I love comedy, which is such a weird thing to say. It's like saying, I love music. It's like, what kind of music? Uh, You wouldn't just go... I love music and walk into a country music bar if you love classical music. Like, it doesn't mean you like country music. So comedy is the same way, but people just don't know how to treat the art form. So they go, I love comedy. Well, what kind of comedy? Uh, I don't know, comedy. So people have an expectation when they walk in to see comedy. They're like, I bet it's the kind of comedy I love that I can't quite describe what it is. And when it's not, they're like, this isn't good comedy. It's like, no, this isn't the comedy you want to see. doesn't mean it's not good. So that's why playing at clubs can be a bummer because a lot of times uh, you're performing for a bunch of random people that don't know you and they might not be enjoying it. And so when you do your own theater or your own rock club, it's usually just your fan base that's coming. And then, you know, everyone there is having a good time for the most part. I know sometimes your heroes can let you down. I know I go to concerts. I'm like, don't play the song. I hate it. Um, but 
So when you say to a comic, oh my God, how does your act go over in Indiana? You're implying, and I know you don't even know you're implying this, but you're implying, oh, you're still at the level where you just do clubs because you don't have your own fan base. So every gig you take is hit or miss and you have no idea what's going to happen. It's like, why would I know? I do club sometimes because sometimes I want that so that I can like work out material. And sometimes I have to make sure is this potentially funny for everybody and not just people who already are bought into me? So I do that sometimes. But Comedy Attic is the type of comedy club where they don't give out, you know, free tickets to just try to get you in there. They, everyone's fan base exists in that town in Bloomington, Indiana. And so the fan base of each comic comes to the club and it's a very awesome experience. But it's also like so ignorant, like, oh, how does it go? It's like, Trump was doing a rally four hours away in like Elk's Heart or whatever it's called. It's like, I'm not there performing for the Trump rally people, you know? Um, I'm, whatever, who cares? But yeah, Bloomington, as I call, aggressively progressive town. Um, I ate at the Owlry every day. Now, I don't even know if they recognize me. I don't know if that means recognize me, but I put on Instagram like, hey, I'm eating at this restaurant every day. And then they wrote back, we love having you. But then no one there ever was like, hey, Jen, you're a comic local in town. I don't know. Look, maybe they did and they want to, maybe they didn't want to bother me. But I went in there every day. It's a great vegan restaurant. I had quesadillas. They make their own vegan cheese in house. I had nachos. I had a fake BLT. I mean, I just can't get enough of it there. And I do my thing. I went to the Royal Hair Parlor. Shout out to Bridget, who did my hair. Um, and you got to go there and get a blowout or get a hair. St- I mean, it's cut color, everything, but it's right next to the alley. Then you can go and get a vegan food. But that was my little routine. I would get a blowout and then I would go to the alley and have like a four o'clock dinner. And I'd sit there and luxuriate for two hours because I'm reading an awesome book. Um, and I know you're like, what book are you reading? You're not going to like him. I'm going to get into it. Um, I'm reading a bunch of different books and I was just having a good time. So do you know what? Okay, so oh, I'm just going to write this. I'm going to recommend a movie to some of you. To some of you, not all of you. I'm going to have half of you turn this off. So, But it was good. Um, but it's so funny because people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're coming here. Thank you. I mean, I know you could just perform in New York or L.A. I'm like, no, that's not. That's where comics go. Like, New York and L.A. doesn't pay. I mean, it does. Like, when I did Caroline's, like, of course, it paid really well. It's a mainstream comedy club, like, on Broadway. But, and you know, when I do my own theater in New York, it pays. But, like... Living in New York, if I were to go up every week, like I can't make money every week like I'm a Broadway show, like I'm that much of a fan base in New York. And when you live in LA, like I can do my lab test show, which by the way, we're adding three lab tests and they're all on sale right now. June 20, I think it's June, it's on my website, jenkirkman.com, click toward dates. I think it's June 20, no, that's June 29th. After I'm back from London, Friday night, 7 p.m. at the Improv Lab. I'll be doing new stuff. And I have two very, very special guests. Um, you're going to love them. Uh, Andy Kindler and Jay Elvis Weinstein. I never usually say who the comics are, but I think you're going to love them. They do one of my favorite podcasts called Thought Spiral. Andy's always been one of my favorite comics. Um, he's been awesome to me since my career started anyway, but they love working out new stuff and they'd be perfect for the show. So they're going to, um, even though they shouldn't be opening for me, but they're going to be doing stuff before I go on stage and do like 30, 40 minutes of new stuff. So I think it's going to be really fun. 
it only seats about 50 people and we've sold 20 tickets. So it always sells out every month. That's why, because it's such a small space, but it's really, really cool. So if you're there, uh, if you're on your phone or on your, if you're on your website right now, if you're on the computer, if you're on your word processor, go to my website right now and get those tickets. Uh, it's hard to drink water and do a podcast. Great up. That's where you can get really amazing observations is right here at the I seem fun, the diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. So, so yeah, Los Angeles, you don't get paid to do gigs. I mean, I get paid for that gig a little money if I do my big show, Christmas show. But, like, again, you don't make a living doing that. It's like, hey, an extra blank amount of money every now and then. But LA and New York are, for the most part, like, when you, when you see comedians who are like, I have five shows this week, they're doing showcase spots. They're going up and performing for the benefit of having more people see their face and getting new fans and... Um, practicing material, but you, where the money is, is in your Champaign, Illinois, or in the middle of the country, especially as they call them secondary markets. Like if you're in a Champaign, Illinois, where it's not like Chicago, where like every night there's 50,000 things to do, you know, people roll through and it's kind of a special event. So a lot of people will come and then you charge them money and they come and then you make that money and you go home. I mean, that's, on the road is where the money is in live stand-up performance. So it's always funny to me when people from New York and L.A. condescend, like, how does your material go over there? It's like, it goes great. That's why I go, you dumb fuck. And then when people in their own town degrade themselves, they go, I can't believe you're coming here. It's like, I'm making money. That's why I'm coming. Like, this is where the money is, girl. It's, there's gold out in these hills. What a corporate whore. Anyway, so when I go on the road and everyone comments on this and I'm like, this is the most boring conversation. I'm 40 fucking four. Like, I don't think people get it. I've been all the ages. I've been 21. I've gotten drunk on my 24th birthday and I threw up in the wood, in the bushes outside of this bar in New York. And I went back in in order to drink. Like I've partied, I've done this, I've done that. I don't like to do that anymore. Like 20 years, like I love a drink. I love two drinks. I love wine, but you can't do it on the road all the time because first of all, I take antidepressants. So it's like, it, 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 it can make me extra tired if I take some wine, but, but not really. I'm on Wellbutrin. It's not, but it's just like, look, drinking's fine. But I prefer to do it with friends or like alone, not alone, but like, you know, if I have a glass at home, it's like after work and I'm like doing something boring, like updating my website, like have a glass of wine or whatever, or like go to dinner with friends. But I don't actually like to drink after I do a show and it's one in the morning. Like when I start drinking that late, like my heart races, I have hormonal things, like my mood changes. It's actually doesn't feel good. So I don't do it. I don't do things that don't feel good. And then drinking during the show, like, forget it. I'm just no good if I'm drunk during a show because I don't remember what I'm saying half the time anyway. I go off book all the time. I go off the beaten path and I start improvising. And being drunk dulls dulls my brain, you know? And it's not necessary. I'm not nervous. It's just, like, not necessary. Um, 
And I think if you're bored, a lot of times you'll drink. And I think that's like, for me, just a bad habit to get into because I'm always bored. I'm ADD, you know, I'm like, I always need constant stimulation. So it's like, it just doesn't work on the road. It's like not what I'm there for. And like, I don't like skimping on sleep when I'm traveling. Like you're susceptible to catching colds. I have to go back to work, writing on a TV show. Like I have a big, full, busy life. And so I know for me, like getting drunk and not sleeping is like, you're going to get sick. And I'm again, I'm in my forties. Like you feel things physically more and I'm not sad about it. Like I actually have zero desire. And it's just so weird when young people ask me to go drink with them after I'm like, you guys really like, you're so in your own bubble. Like, how do you not get that older people feel like they literally have been rewired. Like we feel differently. It's just so strange to me how people don't get it. I totally got that when I was young. I was like, yeah, of course. I'm tired now. I'm going to be tired tomorrow. I can't imagine I won't be more tired in 20 years. But um, but I don't do anything that does. I try to avoid things that don't feel good as much as possible. So if I tell you, like, I'm going to hot yoga, I'm going to meditation, people are like, oh, my God, you're so disciplined. I'm like, no, that feels good to me. I'm, like, actually seeking pleasure. Like, it's, I don't go, oh my God, it's so hard to do this stuff. So anyway, I'm just, I'm just telling you the most boring conversations that I have over and over and over. My lifestyle is constantly being commented on and it makes me crazy. It's like, who cares? Stop saying the same shit over and over. I just like, how does anyone, do you ever stop and think like, if you meet someone and they're like, I'm a podiatrist, like, do you ever stop and think like, well, I want to ask them a question about it, but I bet everyone asks them this question. Don't you like stop yourself? Or don't you at least go, everyone must ask you this, but what's the best shoe to buy? Or do you ever see gross feet or whatever? You know, it's like, yes, yes, I've seen gross feet. No, it doesn't bother me. I don't know what kind of shoe you should buy. It depends on your foot. I'd have to look at your foot and I'm not going to look at your foot. We're at a cocktail party. Shout out to any podiatrist listening. I got your back. Anyway, so blah, blah, blah. So that being said, if you're like, Oh my God, why do you do that when you're on the road? It's like, cause when I'm on the road, if I don't act, if I don't keep my normal schedule and do things that I normally do in real life, then I get depressed on the road. It's like not always easy to be like away from home in a hotel. Maybe you don't like the hotel. Maybe you don't like the town you're in or whatever. And then you have a show and you're like worried about ticket sales and it's like, I have to keep my regular schedule as much as possible so that I can feel, so I can have a leg up on my own psyche so that I don't get depressed, so that I don't get whatever. Like your emotions and thoughts and feelings, they, they change, right? When you travel, like you get irritable. Like I get irritable at the airport, I get irritable on the plane and you know, you get dehydrated or the plane's bumpy and you get nauseous or it's just like traveling takes its toll. And when you have a show that night, like you just got to treat yourself really well, you know? So that's what I try to do. So anyway, my first day there, I, I land Thursday um, afternoon and I'm, you know, unpack my, I mean, I'm only there two days. So I just kind of like set up my things in the hotel and I don't have to be at the club until 7.45. Oh my God, I'm boring myself. It's three o'clock. So I wander around the town. And I decided to go to hot yoga at 6 p.m. And so this is a perfect example of, it's like that kind of sexism where you're going to go prove it. You can't, you don't know if they were sexist. Maybe it was just a personality type. And it's like, 
okay, maybe it's not sexism per se, but it's the way that men treat people as opposed to sometimes the way women treat people. And I've noticed this a lot where with women, if you tell a woman like, oh yeah, I have experience with this. Now, except for that weird Pilates teacher I had, but, but a lot of times when you tell a woman something about yourself, she'll take it at face value unless she's a very annoying person. But sometimes when I've told men something about myself, like I have to keep proving it. And I've seen it happen with all different personality types of men. So it's just one of those things. So you can listen to this story through the, the lens of this guy's a little condescending to women and he doesn't even know it. Or you can listen to it through this guy's an annoying hippie. Um, you know me and my thing about hippies. I think there's some of the most sexist people in the world. And we certainly saw that with the... I'm not even going to get into it. You know what I was going to say. Regular listeners, you know what I was going to say. Okay, so... I go to the hot yoga place. Uh, I drop in at like 3 p.m. And I go, hey, do you have a schedule? And the woman's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm like, oh, I'm going to come to the 6 o'clock class. Should I sign up now? She's like, honestly, it's never busy. You don't need to. I go, okay. She goes, are you a regular here? I'm like, no, no, I'm just in town for the weekend. She's like, oh, great. Well, it's really great to have you here. And then um, I'd like to think she was a fan of mine, but she wasn't. So then I said, uh, okay, well, great. I brought my own mat and towel. I'll be back at six or I'll come, you know, 10 minutes before class. So I, I traveled with my own yoga mat and hot yoga towel. It's like, it's like one of those like long, it's like a blanket towel. That's like the length of the mat, but it's for absorbing the sweat from hot yoga. Sorry to be gross. Um, it's not a Bikram yoga place, but it's those poses. And I know that that's not like the, I, you know, I like the flow yoga where you're moving and stuff, but sometimes I feel really lazy and I just want to do the poses and sweat. Sometimes I don't feel like doing a flow. I don't know what it is. Yoga does something to me where I get so mad when I'm doing it. I don't know why. I just love Pilates. Yoga is something I do. It's kind of a last resort and that's why I prefer the hot ones because I just love the feeling of sweating. So in hot yoga, I don't like sweating, like walking down the street with makeup on and on the New York city streets in July. I'm not like sweating is amazing. Like you, you look like Alice Cooper with your makeup running. Um, was Alice Cooper the maid on the Brady Bunch? Yes. So anyway, I go, I come back, I got my little short shorts on my little tank top or bra top or whatever. But, but over that I have a sweatshirt and sweatpants. And I walk into the yoga studio with my, like, you know, kind of like she knows her shit yoga mat and yoga blanket. Like if you see this brand, you're like, oh, that's like a real yoga person. So I walk in, hippie behind the counter, and I'm just like, Ugh. And he's like, hi. And it's like, you know what? The more quiet you talk, the more psycho you are. Because you don't have to be like, hi, to be spiritual. You can be like, oh my God, this fucking, you know, the thing about impermanence is that it's just fucking part of life. You know, you don't have to be like, um, hi everybody. It's just so psycho. It's like, you don't have to talk that way. Um, so he's like, hi. I go, hey, I came in earlier. Are you new here? Like, not even listening. Like automatically just like not interested. I was like, yeah, as I said, I came in earlier. Your name? I'm like, uh, okay. So, you know, I'm getting up my money and stuff. Give him my name. He's like, have you done hot yoga before? I said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of pointed to my mat, like 
I just told you from out of town and I walked in with a mat. So like, I don't know. It's not like, oh my God, I've never done hot yoga, but I'm going to go to Indiana and try it for the first time. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a yoga mat and a professional hot yoga towel, a professional one, you guys, in my suitcase in case I find a hot yoga place. And that's where I'm going to begin. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, it doesn't mean I'm great at it. My flexibility hasn't changed in 20 years. Like being a little self-effacing so that he knows, oh, like she's totally an expert in her own experience. But no, he wouldn't give that to me. I go, but yeah, I do it all the time. Especially when I'm living in New York because I live near most of the um, apartments I stay in are in Williamsburg. And I live near this place, Moto Yoga, and I love going. So I might do it like twice a week or something. And I've been doing yoga itself for since I was 18. And I've been doing hot yoga on and off for like 10 years. I mean, sometimes I'll not do it for like six months. So, And then sometimes I'll get in a mood and I'll do it twice a week. Sometimes I'll just do it once a month. Like it's so varied. But, you know, I've, I've mastered doing it plenty of times where I don't feel like I have to leave the room. I understand that you only drink water when they tell you to. I, I know. So he's making me sign this waiver and then fill out all this stuff. I said, I don't live here and I only come here once every two years. So I'm not going to put like all my information and my email address. And he looked at me and he goes, God, it's so condescending. He goes, the good news is on my computer, it allows me to skip putting your email address in. So you don't even have to worry about that. I go, okay. Like another way to say that would be like, oh yeah, of course, no problem. Like, what are you being such a condescending fucking prick for? Go back to our revolution on your fucking... See, I knew I had to say something. Just burning inside of me. Ah, no pun intended. Feeling the burn. So he goes up. Because that's the thing is, I'm more of a hippie than he is. Like, I'm not fucking condescending. I'm kind of freewheeling. You know me, guys. I'm freewheeling. Oh, so he was just so... And I was older than him. It's like, you know, you're just born today. So he goes, uh, well, a lot of people say um, they've done hot yoga, but they haven't. I said, yeah, well, I'm not a liar. So he goes, no, but I mean, some people think, oh, I got hot in the room. And he's like, this... I go, no, I know what it is. I, I do it all the time. I go, I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but I, I'm from Los Angeles. So like, look, when you go somewhere and they're like, have you ever had a facial before? You're like, yeah, I'm from LA. They're like, it, you, the answer should be anytime you're doing something that's like health conscious or shallow. And someone's like, have you experienced this before? The answer I live in LA should cover like, yeah, we invented that. You know what I mean? So I was like, you know, I know LA didn't invent hot yoga, but I was like, it's everywhere. Like it, you, everyone has a hot yoga it, and it's in apartments. I'm like, I have a one bedroom with a small hot yoga studio. Um, you can't even avoid it. Like they come with apartments now. So I said, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I live in LA, so it's like, you know, kind of, it's what we do out there. And he goes, doesn't mean you've done the Bikram poses. I'm like, it actually is exactly what it means. And I said, yeah, well, I have. I'm like, can I just go in the door? Like, it's, 
it's six o'clock and no one else is coming in. And like, he's holding up the class by doing this. And he's got those weird hippie eyes. Like legit. If he drove up beside me in a van, I would run. This was like some Charles Manson bullshit. So he goes, the changing room's over there and just don't wear your shoes into the yoga room. I could great. And I didn't have to change. I just had to take off my sweatshirt and sweatpants, but it always looks weird when you just take your clothes off in front of someone instead of go into another room and then walk out with your little skivvies on. So I I walk to the changing room. He goes, no, 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 take your shoes off. I go, oh, sorry. I thought you meant just take them off to go in the yoga room. He goes, hey, 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 don't be so hard on yourself. It's okay to make a mistake the first time you've been somewhere. I'm like, what kind of creepy fucking talking is this? I go, I was like, and I'm being combative on purpose because I just hate this guy. I go, oh, I wasn't being hard on myself. I just said, sorry, because, you know, it's just instinct, I guess. I go, I'm really not worried about making mistakes. He's like, that's good. I'm like, uh-huh. God, I hate him. So then um, I go back and I come out with my short shorts on a little thing. He's still at the desk. I'm like, is he looking at my butt? I don't know what he, maybe he's not. But I'm like, why isn't he in the room already? So then I put my things away and I go in the room and then he comes in. But he was just one of those staring people, you know? And um, it was one of my favorite things that ever happened on Howard Stern was like years ago, Robin Quivers went to this guy, this spiritual healer who just, he sits in a room like on a stage and he just stares at people. And that's the healing. And you only pay like 15 bucks, but like thousands of people go. So the dude's walking away with like tens of thousands of dollars and he just stares and it's supposed to heal you. And I was like, this is, this is like getting a one-on-one with that guy. That guy was just staring. And I don't think it was like specific to me, like, oh, I'm so hot or whatever. It was just like, he's just has no boundaries and he's an uncomfortable hippie. So we go in the room and he's a great teacher. Actually. I, I really enjoy the way he taught the class. See, I can always say something nice about someone. He just had an easy, like he was actually totally different as a teacher than he was at the front desk. And I'm like, where's this guy at the front desk? And it wasn't that he was overly nice or like, hey, everybody. He actually wasn't like that. That's why I liked it. He was like, and now we're going to do this pose and, you know, go over here. Water breaks coming in five minutes. So, you know, we're just blah. It was great. And like, again, I'm not flexible at all. I never will be. I took ballet as a kid. My teacher used to take my leg and push it against, you know, like up over my head and like, it would just never move. I'm just, my muscles are built a certain way and I suck at flexibility. But in terms of being in the right position in poses, I kind of know how to self-adjust and I'm in the class and I don't mean to be rude, but like it, a lot of the people in the class are taking a lot of breaks they're kind of not quite getting the alignment right. And I'm the only one, there's no way to do it right. I mean, there's a way to do alignment right, but in terms of how flexible you are, there's no right or wrong. I mean, obviously people who are very flexible, like look amazing doing yoga. Like I don't look like that when I do it, but these people were like kind of a little bit fallen to the wayside, I would say. So I was thinking, gee, I've really redeemed myself here because I'm kind of doing it right, which is, you know, not the right attitude, but I'm only human. So 
we uh, get out of class and I'm sitting there and I'm in the lobby and I'm putting my shoes back on and he's literally behind the desk trying to lower his head enough so that he can make eye contact with me and he's just staring. And I know if I look up, I'll make eye contact with him so I won't do it. I'm putting my head down even lower acting as though I need my nose on my shoe to tie it. Like I'm going to put my nose in the middle of the knot and then tie it around it. So he finally gets so low. It's like a limbo contest. So then he gets so low that he almost comes up under my eyes. And he's like, hey, how was your first hot yoga class? I said, it wasn't my first hot yoga class. He goes, well, first one here. I said, sure. And he said, how was it? I said, well, it was like Bikram yoga, a thing I've done. And it's just like also this place, Moto Yoga, that I, I said, I also live in New York a little bit. So I live this place. I go twice a week. He goes, you know, some people think they've done hot yoga, but they haven't. I go, yeah, you mentioned that earlier. I go, yeah, I'm not one of those people. Um, He goes, it wasn't hotter in there than you normally expect. I go, no. Like, I don't know what he wanted. You want me to say like, you're special. You have a big penis. Your room's hotter than anything else. Like, sorry, dude. And he goes, Okay, because I wasn't sure if you'd done it before, just, you know. So he was, like, nagging me, like, basically saying from watching you, I couldn't tell if you'd done it before. I'm like, really? What about the girl fucking out of breath laying face down like she's taking a fucking nap? Like, what about her? What about her? So I was just like, this guy, our energy was not a match. I'll just say that. And uh, I just, there, there is just something about a hippie man where I'm just like, you're a killer. You're a secret. I think that's what it must be. I'm like, well, I don't know where I got that from. It must be from like growing up learning about Charles Manson. It was just like, oh, like there's these mind control cult guys who are hippies and that's like the greatest disguise to like fall for that shit. And then now you're, you know, doing what they command and then they're going to just go to prison and put a swastika on their forehead. And that's the cycle of life with a hippie. I feel so bad for anyone listening to the show for the first time. So then I went into a meditation class. But I'll tell you about that in a minute. I'm going to read an email from someone first because this is my favorite thing that's ever happened. So I get this Instagram. Oh, so first of all, I don't know if you guys saw the news, but it's pretty big news. No, it's not any of the news about Trump, uh, Trump, Russia, and Michael Cohen. It's bigger than that. Hallmark is releasing 31 new Christmas movies this year. Now, they do this every year. But the fact that, you know, we can't count on anything in life, people. That's where our, that's where our pain comes from. When we assume something just because it's always been that way and then it changes, we cling. We have craving. That's what we have. So every year I wait with bated breath when is the Hallmark, because it's going to be Christmas in five minutes. I know you guys are like, it's not even summer yet. The minute it's summer, it's Christmas. It's Christmas basically right now. Like I usually put up my tree October 1st. It's about to be June. It's three months from now. That's fucking crazy. I'm actually dreading Christmas this year because you know, I had my breakup on Christmas two years ago. That's fine. Last year was like, it's been a year of the healing. I'm in New York. And now I'm like, ugh, what do I do on Christmas? Like I just... I like want to do something fun, but I don't want to spend a lot of money this year. Um, like 
I'm friends with my ex. Like, even if my ex and I were to get back together, like, I wouldn't spend Christmas with him because, or at least not this year, because it would be, like, I just, like, it's still my thing, and I'm not letting anyone ruin it again. But, like, I just don't, like, have a thing to do. I mean, I'll go see my family or whatever. Maybe I'll go to New York for a couple days. You know what? I have things to do. Just ignore me. Just ignore me. Um, But whatever it is, is, like, well, yeah, who knows? I don't know what my job is going to be, like, September to December. So I might be, like, busy writing another pilot or I might do this. I might do that. Like, who fucking knows? But I guess because I don't have a plan for my Christmas yet that I'm like, what am I going to do? Oh, my God, I'm going to have to do another Jen Kirkman Christmas show at the Improv, right? You guys will totally come to that. Okay, so um, I get this. So I'm reading about the 31 new movies, and I'm just, like, in heaven. Well, basically, like, the same day, I get a, uh, a, a message from someone on Instagram saying, that they are currently working in, I think it's upstate New York, on the set of a Hallmark movie. And they were telling the director and the crew how how I'm so into it. And I say busy businesswoman and I and I talk about, you know, things. And so I don't know if the people he was telling were like aware of my comedy or like, oh, Jen Kirkman the comedian. I don't think so, but I think he was probably describing, or she, I forget if it was a man or a woman, but they were describing, you know, there's this comedian, she's really into it, blah, blah, blah. So, um, so <laughs> they, they wrote back, the director said you could come up, if you can get yourself to upstate New York, you can have a cameo, which a cameo would be like, it would still have to be something negotiated through my agent. It would be like one line, but I don't even think they can just do that. So, I mean, look, at, I want a, I want to star in one of these. I mean, they have their people and they have their franchises. I don't just get to star in it, but like a lot of people I know do, you could, you could have like a, you know, 20 line role in, in one, you know? So I'm going to have to talk to my agent. It's just that I'm in LA. Like, I mean, I'm not in LA and there's a certain season for auditioning for these. And I just have to tell my agent like, Hey, you have to start submitting me for Hallmark movies. Cause right now I just submit for sitcoms and stuff like that. So, but I wasn't around this year to audition, but, and then I also want to write one, but I just don't think it pays that well. Anyway. Okay. So I wrote back, Oh, thanks for the offer, but I, I can't do it. I'm holding out for starring roles someday. Okay. So then they write back, um, just wanted to alert you to the timing and proximity in case it was doable. Okay. I told the rest of the crew about your busy businesswoman line, and they all think it's hilarious, and everyone is quoting it constantly. They want to write it into the script with your permission. I said I'd inquire. So, of course, I wrote back yes. Um, oh, they told me the name of the movie, but I'm not going to say it. Um, so then they wrote back to me. Oh, shit. Wait, hang on. I printed the wrong thing. Let me read you. Let me read you what they wrote. Um, God damn it. Shit. Hang on. Let me find it. I'm going to get it. Hang on one sec. Hang on. I'm just, I have to get my computer. Okay. Sorry, everybody. Classic Jen Kirkman. Oh, you know what? You know what? I'm going to keep you in suspense because... For right now, I want to tell you about my favorite sponsor. 
They have been with us. Oh my God, here's my dry cleaning. Hang on one second. Hello? Can you buzz the call box? It's 3B. Okay. Guys, hang on one second. Hang on one second. I have to get my dry cleaning. So this is like, oh my God, how, hang on. Okay, I'm buzzing you in. Hang on. Guys, this is like how you used to hear the dryer on the show. Well, now you're going to hear me having my laundry and dry cleaning delivered because I do wash and fold because there's no washer and dryer in this apartment. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God. This is so, you're going to love it. This is just so New York. Oh my God. How excited are you right now? And then I'm going to tell you all about Talkspace. But for right now, go to Talkspace.com slash Jen, J-E-N, and you can read about it because it's truly revolutionary and everybody needs to First of all, I know everyone's starting to work on their beach body. And then I say work on your beach brain too. Okay. Because this show is, talk- is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that enables you to improve your mental health from anywhere at any time. You can get matched with a licensed therapist from over 2000 choices and message them whenever you need to no commutes and no judgments. I have a special offer. offer. I do that every week. Do you know that a special offer for my listeners? Oh, hang on one second. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, it doesn't have the laundry too, or is that a separate delivery? Oh, okay, cool. All right. Thanks again. Okay. Sorry for that interruption. Talk space. Give me my space. Give me my talk space. I need some space. I need some talk space. How did they not use that as their theme song? Again, the online therapy company that enables you to improve your mental health from anywhere at any time. All you need is the Talkspace app or a computer. If you can't imagine fitting another appointment into your life and you don't have health insurance, well, Talkspace therapy is as easy as sending your therapist a message to match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy Go to Talkspace.com slash Jen and use offer code Jen to get $45 off of your first month and to show your support for the show. That is pretty awesome. Therapy, you guys, it's not just about venting your innermost thoughts or you don't have to dig into childhood memories. There's also just practical everyday strategies for stress management and living a happier life. Having a therapist just means you have a designated person that you talk to who is, unlike your dumb friends at brunch trained to listen and help you make positive changes. And the best thing about therapy is they don't interrupt and start telling you about your life. If you're like, so, you know, at work, I have this coworker who's always taking my projects and they're like, oh my God, did I tell you about Tina at my work? And you're like, no, no, but I'm talking about me right now. You, that's not what therapy, it's all about you. It's all about you. Just one hour of your life is all about you. The Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life challenges that we all face. Again, you are going to get to match with your perfect therapist. They don't just give you one and tell you tough shit. Talkspace.com slash Jen. It is therapy for how we live today. Thank you, Talkspace. We love you. Anyway, so this is the email that was sent to me. Okay. Hang on one sec. Whew, that was stressful. I was reading an ad and answering the door. I mean, what other show can you get ads where 
the person makes up their own theme song for the ad. Talkspace should be so psyched about that. And then you answer the door and get your laundry in the middle of it. So, um, okay. Now let me just make sure that this other thing is coming because I'm concerned. Oh no, eight to 10. Okay. Hmm. Tonight. Okay. All right. All right. So, uh, this is from our friend who works on a Hallmark movie. I told the rest of the crew about your busy businesswoman line, and they all think it's hilarious, and everyone is quoting it constantly. You'd be thrilled to witness. Oh, my God. This is the other laundry. Oh, my God. Guys, this is getting too exciting. Hang on one second. Coming. Hang on. Sorry. I think it's the same guy. I can't really tell from looking at the camera, but um, it looks like him. And I was like, I think I have another order. He's like, no, that's someone else. But I think he went into his van and found it and was like, oh, it's the same thing. You young people, you young people, everything's on the computer and you still don't get it right. In my day, I did my own laundry. Well, they don't have washing machines in apartments in New York. Well, in my day, they did. Well, that is probably true. I can't uh, deny that, old lady Jen. So I'm just killing time until the doorbell rings because... Oh, here we go. Hey! Oh, I did it! <laughs> Thanks, good night. He didn't even go. Oh, yeah, that was me. I said, oh, you did have it. And he's like, uh, uh, that's you young people. Uh. Okay. You'd be thrilled to witness the conversations that have gone on between the department heads referencing busy businesswoman. At first, it was being said with laughter, but now it's used in all seriousness when vetoing costume and prop options for the lead. They're like, no, that's not busy businesswoman. That's more like Long Island housewife. I think people just like any excuse to say these words at this point. It's pretty freaking hilarious, I have to say, every time. You're a lot of people's hero on this job. Oh, my God. Do you, guys, I am infiltrating the Hallmark Christmas movie world. Do you understand what a big deal this is? <laughs> First of all, I'm like, did I even make up Busy Businesswoman or did someone else say it? I feel like a friend said it to me and I just stole it. Like, I can't even, it's not even that original to say, but I'm like, you know when you have like private jokes with friends? I'm like, did I steal that from someone? I think I may have. Whatever. Who cares? Who cares? That's a cutthroat world of stealing ideas from people, which I don't do. Don't get all like, oh my God, you Oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm taking my friend Allison, the one I did the, the advice podcast with, her friend Jeff lives in New York, and he's a wonderful singer, and uh, he teaches singing lessons. I mean, he's like a you know real musician and composer and singer and whatever. And I'm taking lessons and I'm beginning tomorrow night, which um, by the time you hear this, I'll have already taken the lesson. And I am really excited because, oh, also because I read this article about, this woman sent me something about that my sphenoid sinuses, the ones that I had done, um, really do affect your voice. So um, 
I might read that next week because I don't have time right now. (laughs) So anyway, I love the comedy attic. Thank you to Jared and everyone that works there and just the whole thing. I really recommend you guys checking out that club. It's amazing. So, um, yeah, there was just some like awkward run-ins like after the show. It was like this drunk guy like, hey, I love you and this. You know, we just don't need that. Just be better. Just be better, everybody. Um, but anyway, so the, so the next, so Thursday night I have an early show, which, which is eight, but there's no late show, which I love. It's, there's something about late shows in comedy suck. And this is why like a comedy club is cool as the comedy attic and, and as cool as any other comedy clubs that are not your traditional comedy club. What sucks is we haven't found a way yet to get as many people in per weekend without having to have the comic there for, you know, their whole life. But you just can't avoid doing a late show because, you know, that's just what it is. And so what sucks about it is people are usually pretty drunk at the late show because they've like gone to dinner first and had some drinks. So they're coming in on about three drinks and they may have at least two when they're there. So you've got some like five drink people up in here. You might even have more, but when we're coming in on five drinks. So the crowd's usually drunk, and they're either drunk like they're in a blackout and they just needed somewhere to sit and they're staring at you drunk, or they're like, ah, and they're rowdy or they're heckling or whatever. Um, and a lot of times the second show isn't as crowded as the first show, so you're doing a show for less people who are paying attention less. And the show before that, you were just totally killing it with, you know, a sold out show with everyone's full attention and you get off stage feeling great and you did your job for the night. And then you're like, Oh no, I have to go do it again, but a worse circumstance. So that's why when I do tours, I try to avoid clubs and on my own, I will just do a theater one show a night. Bye bye. Oh my God. Sorry. I needed to eat like a little piece of bread. Oh my God. I'm so hungry. Anyway. I never eat on podcasts. I think it's so disgusting. And I kind of don't know what to do right now. I feel like I just have to get through eating this piece of bread. And I don't know. Can you entertain yourselves for one minute? Okay. So do the Thursday night early show. Oh, there's still some there and I want to finish eating it. Hang on another second. Okay, so Friday, so I get to bed by like 11.30, which is awesome, and there's a meditation class like two blocks from my hotel the next day, because I was walking by this, a different yoga studio. You're like, where were you? I told you, Bloomington, Indiana, aggressively progressive. So I'm walking down the street. I see this sign that's like meditation every Friday at 8.30 in the morning. I'm like, oh my God, great. And I'm like, well, if it's every Friday at 8.30 in the morning, this must be a thing. Like, people must go to it because they have it. You know, if if people weren't interested, they wouldn't have it anymore. And my alarm rings at 8. And I'm like, all right, just get out of bed. Come on. I was going to get up at at 8 anyway. I'd had eight and a half hours sleep. I was like, it's time to get up. And then something in me was like, "Mm, just get up and go to the coffee shop and read. And I'm like, Jen... Go, sorry, go do the meditation. I'm like, "Mm, I don't want to. 
And I'm like, what if I'm the, and I really wanted to go. And I was picturing the class and I was like, it's going to be great. And even if I don't like what they're doing, I can just go off and do my own thing in my head. And I was like, what if I'm the only one there? I'm like, Jen, you're not going to be the only one there. I just kept having that argument. And I kept going, if you're the only one there, like just be a human and experience life and just calm down. And I walk in and I go upstairs and I'm the only one there. And she's like, oh, I was just putting everything away. And then whenever I see anyone wearing turquoise, I'm like, they're going to be too touchy-feely. Unless they're wearing it in a rich bitch Palm Springs way. But when it's like a meditation studio and then I see turquoise, I get anxious. I'm like, I don't want to vibe with you or whatever. She's like, I was just putting everything away. And I go, oh, no, then keep doing it. I I won't come in. She goes, no, I'd rather teach a class. I go, oh, okay, so I'll come in. She goes, okay. Now, usually that's the danger zone. If you've ever taken any kind of class and you're the only one that shows up, Sometimes you get one of those like psychotic people that's like, Hey, since you're the only one, let's not do the class. And you're like, no, you know, they just want to hang out with you. So I was nervous. Is this going to be that weird? She just wants to hang out with me thing, but it was great. Like she did some readings from some things, you know, about meditation. She did a guided thing. It was great. We did a standing meditation where you just kind of loosen up and you do that. That was fantastic. And then at the end, she just said, do you have any questions? And I was just facing her and I was like, I really don't. I, I meditate and I just wanted to come to this and it was perfect. So thank you. And she's like, yeah, she goes, I'm sorry. I was realizing, um, I totally recognize you and I'm all excited. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. I'll sign an autograph. <laughs> I go, oh, great. And she goes, yeah, you have, you've sat with us before. I go, oh no, I've never been in this building in my life. I go, I've been to this town before, but I've never, I didn't even know this class was here. She goes, why do you look so familiar? I just know your face. This happens to me all the time. I know I've talked about it on this pop- podcast before, and I'm, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Just one of those faces, I guess. She's like, huh? She's like, I guess so. Um, so we, she goes, I hate this part. I have to ask you for payment. You know, there is $15 per class or whatever. I was like, oh, it's totally fine. I'm like, let me just go get my purse. Cause I'd, put something, you know, on the other side of the room. So I get my things and I said, here you go. And she said, you know, do you want to hear about what we have coming up? I was like, honestly, you know, I'm literally leaving in 24 hours or, you know, two days. And I know you don't have any more meditation classes this weekend. She's like, nope, it's every Friday. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going back home. She's like, well, every Friday. And she describes it anyway. I'm like, I literally said like, I come here every two years. So I won't be back till 2020. And she goes, well, every Friday wait, I'm like, but I don't need to know every Friday. I mean, maybe she just needed to talk to someone, and that's fine. I'd rather she went, I just need to talk to someone. Can I tell you about my deadbeat brother and his wooden leg? I'd be like, totally. But I don't need, like, just because you need to connect, you're going to describe what happens every Friday in a town I won't be in for two more years. So anyway, she's like, huh, I cannot get over how familiar you look. I said, yeah, it's weird. I go, I do hear that a lot, to be honest. And she goes, um... So you just come to town every two years for a weekend? Do you have family here? I was like, oh, no, actually. I go, this might be why you recognize me. I go, I'm a comedian. I'm performing at the Comedy Attic. She's like, oh. And it's like across, like it's a block away. She's like, oh, yeah, I think I know that place. I'm like, you live in a town of nine people. Like it's right there. Um, and I go, yeah. Um, I go that. She goes, but I wouldn't recognize you from the show. I go, no, but I mean like I do a lot of um, TV stuff. And she goes, mm, and just shook her head and said no. I'm like, but I do like, she knows she's seen drunk history at the very least. That's what she knows me from. 
Or she walked by the comedy club where there was a giant picture of me. Like, that's all it was. It's just like, she might not be a fan of comedy. She might not be sitting there watching TV. She might be cleaning her chakras every night. She doesn't do the technology thing. I get it. But like, you've seen my face because blah, blah, blah. And she just went, no, I don't think that's it. Because I really think it's just more of a, um, just one of those things when you feel you know someone. I'm like, sure, sure. I'm sure it's just a spiritual connection we're having. And not that I'm on fucking television. God damn it. Although, I mean, you could argue that I'm not right now. I mean, you couldn't argue it. You could just state it and it would be true. But it was fun. But like all things, and this is maybe why I'm such a spiritual person, all good things must come to an end, right? You have a good meditation class, and it ends with someone telling you they recognize you, but they don't, and they just shake their head no when you say, you might know me from TV. Um, You know, every experience has its good and its bad. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. But you know what? It sure beats the fuck out of being so famous that you can't fucking go anywhere and do anything, because that would drive me crazy. I have seen it happen to good friends of mine and you just have to kind of build an isolated life for yourself because people are up in your business. But I also feel like, couldn't you just like in your own mind, have an invisibility shield and be one of those celebrities that walks around a town and everyone just leaves you alone eventually? You know what I mean? We'll discuss it. We don't have to. Um, I'm reading an article. I'll just end on this article because I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, it was on this website that I love, The Cut. When you love your friend but hate her social media presence. I just thought this was interesting. Um, a few years ago, I met a woman. Let's call her Heather. She was funny, intelligent, down to earth. Uh, we hit it off immediately. My bar for new friends is pretty high. Heather pole vaulted it. After our third dinner together and three bottles of wine... Well, in several hours of conversation, I was sure I'd made a bond for life. Then I started following her on Instagram. At first, I shrugged off the inane selfies and oddly pedantic captions informing a seemingly imagined audience how to make yummy chia seed pudding or how yoga had taught her to appreciate her curves. This was 2013, and while Instagram was not exactly new, its customs and codes were still very much in flux. So she hasn't quite figured it out yet, I thought. That's okay. At least she's experimenting. But over the next six months, things only got worse. She was posting multiple times a day, increasingly in nausea-inducing poses with her boyfriend that looked about as staged as a rom-com poster, laughing and eating soft serve on a stoop, holding hands while walking over a bridge, stealing a kiss post-run. Soon they had their very own hashtag. It involved the word lover. I was traveling a lot for work then, and each time I mindlessly scrolled through my Instagram, in airport lines and jet-lag-riddled taxicab rides, it was like removing the pin from a grenade of secondhand embarrassment. I started making excuses not to see her. I realized the relationship was over for me when she invited me to her birthday, and I found I couldn't, for the life of me, make myself go. She might have been hurt, but I didn't care. She had become insufferable to me. We hear a lot of horror stories about people meeting online only to find out that in real life they can't stand each other, But what happened with Heather was the opposite, a reverse catfish, if you will. Actually, I won't because it's not what it is at all. And it's becoming an increasingly prevalent peril to friendship in our social media-saturated society. Take, for instance, Julie, 31, who hardly recognizes her dear friend, a quiet, socially awkward individual with a biting sense of humor when among close friends. 
On social media, she is so unabashedly self-promotional and bombastic. Julia is constantly perplexed by the come-hither selfies and self-important captions. I think her social media persona is so bothersome because it forces me as her friend to question who the real her is. As a friend, I'm faced with this uncomfortable conundrum of questioning whether the real life her, the one I love and connect with, is the fake, or the one on Instagram is who she really is, or at the very least, who she really wants to be. The discrepancy between the two is just sort of uncomfortable. The girl's lack of awareness about her social media shenanigans has created a divide among their close friends. We all playfully rip each other apart, but this topic, her shameless posting, has become bizarrely taboo. It throws off the group dynamic. Hang on. Or Jess, 40, whose food-obsessed friend built himself into a brand on Instagram, one that writes in a sort of forced, laid-back bro-speak and always manages to somehow get across the fact that the meal was calmed or he was served something off of a secret menu or was sent an extra bottle of some orange wine that we should all be drinking instead of rosé. Though Jess can recognize some of his genuine personality in the pasted-on persona, it's amplified to the point of being unlikable. I just think of him differently now, she says. It's like I know his secret side, but his secret side is also the side tens of thousands of strangers know him as exclusively, which is the weird thing that social does to us now. Um, Also, calling it just social is weird, and I am not anymore on this woman's side. Okay. To be clear, this is not about whether your friend is good at social media, as Anne, 37, explains, I don't even mind people who are just plain bad at Instagram. Not everyone is good at singing either. But when there's a disconnect between the person I know and the person mugging for that selfie or purporting to love something, I'm pretty sure they don't. It leaves me feeling a mixture of disappointed and embarrassed. We all know people aren't one-dimensional, but thanks to the ubiquity of social media, we now have to contend with just how disparate those dimensions might be. Let's say if you didn't like your friend Joe when he drank, you didn't go drinking with Joe, but now drunk Joe lives in your pocket 24-7, ready to remind you how awful he is anytime you scroll through your phone. Of course, the unfollow button exists for a reason, but the politics of unfollowing a close friend or a partner can be treacherous to navigate. Um, Sarah, 29, faced such a dilemma when she recently confessed to her therapist that she was so turned off by her boyfriend's goofy social media persona, she began questioning their compatibility. He thinks his posts are funny, but I find them cringy and embarrassing. I felt like it meant something was wrong with the relationship as a whole. Her therapist's recommendation? Unfollow him. She said social media isn't real and that if I love him offline, it doesn't matter what he does online. I just shouldn't subject myself to seeing it if I don't have to. But she couldn't bring herself to hit the unfollow button. I felt like it would break his heart because he considers himself to be really funny offline and online to everyone, including me. Instead, Sarah's settled for appreciating him him in I can't read. Instead, Sarah's settled for appreciating him in real life and scrolling as fast as possible whenever his posts show up in her feed. Um, okay, so there's a million examples. I have this too, and this is why I have a few people I know that I don't want to follow on Instagram anymore, but I don't want to unfollow them because it would be awkward for our friendship in real life. So I unfollowed everyone I know. Because I'm like, I'll see your pictures maybe on Twitter, or I know you, or I can just go and look at your page if I need to. But I just follow fashion designers and home decor people so that my Instagram is this very curated experience for me. When I'm scrolling, I know that when I'm on Instagram, I'm going to scroll pretty pictures, and I I like the ones that I like, and I have little categories I make, like travel, 
home, you know, whatever. And so I can look at my little, um, saved things at any time. So I feel bad, but whatever. And I have a few friends and we all make fun of like a few other friends of ours. Like this one guy we know was always posting about the troops and like, thank the troops. It's like, you don't know any soldiers. Like, what are you doing? He's just trying to like brand himself as like the all American guy. And it's like, what are you doing? And then, you know, we have another friend who she writes these long stories on Instagram and she has like, you know, five followers and it's these long stories about her career. We're like, what does she do exactly? And like, she'll just be like, I'm so blessed today. And we're like, what is she talking about? So I just don't follow people. And on Twitter, I really just only kind of follow the people I follow politically. And so I feel like, yeah, I feel like in order to stay friends with people, you just kind of have to ignore them on social media. But I'd love to hear if you guys have any experience with this because I found this article fascinating and I'm nosy and I love good gossip like this. So if you love your friend, hate their social media, please send an email to iseemfun at gmail.com, put in the heading social media, and I will know what it is and I will read it on a future episode. Oh my God, isn't this so interactive and fun? Can you believe it? Until next week, have fun. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.